Welcome to the Business Tune-Up, the podcast that'll help you find your business spark. You'll hear great stories, learn quick tips, tools, and ideas from two top-tier business coaches that each bring their own experiences and perspectives. Candice and Jim are both passionate about what they do and share the same goal to bring value, inspire, and help each client they work with reach their full potential. This podcast gives you business insights through genuine, authentic, and fun conversations. Here are Candice Eckstein and Jim Cummings. Hey, Jim. Hey, Candice. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? You know what? No complaints. It's Friday. It's brisk outside. The sun is still shining and it's the beginning of November. So all, all positive things. You know, I love this time of year. I love when it starts getting a bit colder and you can have a fire in the fireplace and, you know, wear sweaters and stuff like that. I love it. I just love it. The leaves are all different colors. It's yeah. Nice hiking weather for sure. Right. So here we are, podcast time. That's super exciting. I was looking forward to today and excited to share our topic of the day with our our listeners. And I yeah, know we should, we should mention we don't have a guest today, which is a little different from our last. Yeah, week. yeah, that's true. Okay. We it's just you and me, baby. Oh man, I don't know. That's both exciting, exciting and scary at the same time. And and I guess it's probably good to let our listeners know that we're still meeting through Zoom. Yes. So we haven't had the opportunity to navigate or to change to in-person podcast recording, which hopefully that's not too far out from now. But for today, anyways, we are recording over Zoom. So hopefully it's clear um, and the quality still comes through okay for everybody. So Without further ado, should we get right into it and share the topic of today's podcast? Yeah, go for it. So today we're going to be talking about all things negotiating. And so it's really about, is negotiation important in business? And do people feel that there's value to negotiating in their business world? And what your thoughts are going into this podcast will be interesting to know whether your thoughts kind of or perspective changes after we share some of our ideas about negotiating with you. But really, I think, Jim, for me, negotiating sometimes results in longer-term sustainable results versus the quick short-term Band-Aid solutions that sometimes in in our business worlds, we have to make really quick decisions. And sometimes there is a need to put a Band-Aid on something for today, but that's obviously not sustainable. And so negotiation potentially can play a part in what that longer term result looks like. But when I say negotiation, what does that mean to you? Well, so, yeah, I mean, negotiation is something that we do every day of our lives, and we mm-hmm. probably don't even think about it. Jack Kane, who is a, uh, a business uh, advisor, says that anytime two or more people exchange information with the intention of changing their relationship, it's a negotiation. So we negotiate every day. We negotiate with our kids, with our spouses, with our colleagues, with our bosses, with our employees, with the traffic cop, (laughs) with the girl behind the counter. I mean, we're constantly involved in a negotiation. And I think what we want to do today is there, there are right ways and wrong ways of going about this. And of course, there's a ton of information on the internet that you can go and learn about negotiation. But I just want to share a few things that I've learned over the years through uh, courses that I've taken, as well as my own experience, about what works and what doesn't work in negotiation. 
Yeah, I think, you know what, I think that's um, going to be super positive for our listeners. And sometimes I think of negotiation as a superpower, right? It's about leveraging influence to move from one side or one position to the other. And really that superpower is about influencing the outcome. And I know that through some of the stories that you were planning on sharing today, people will see what I mean by that. But negotiating doesn't come naturally to everybody, right? It is something that people are sometimes uncomfortable doing. But why do you think that is? Well, just first of all, I, I love that term. You're right. It is a superpower because people who are good negotiators actually end up creating a result that is better for both parties. Mm-hmm. They, they will come, they will make you feel happy in the result of the negotiation. And some people might say, well, that's manipulation. Well, okay, but if it turns out that you're happy, you know, is that not a good thing? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, it is, uh, anyway, I like that. It is a superpower. And there are some people who are really good at it, but they weren't born that way. Right. They had to learn it. So we'll, we'll talk about it. But you're right. Some people are very uncomfortable about it, especially Canadians. It's kind of a cultural thing with us. You know, there's the fear of the unknown. We don't know what we don't know. We see it as combative. It's, you know, we, people don't like conflict of any kind, and they see negotiation as conflict. We don't want to insult or offend anybody, and we want people to like us, right? We're, and, of course, we're afraid that someone is going to take advantage of us. And, and, you know, we, you know, especially when we're going to think about buying a car, for instance, it's the, mm. the age old thing where the car dealer is going to, you know, he's wearing a white belt and white shoes and he's come on in. Have I got a deal for you? Right. Right. And, right. And thinking, oh, I got to hang on to my wallet because this guy is going to rob me blind. Right. And we think that there, you know, it's a, we, we think of it as a battle where the other party is trying to take advantage of us. I, I think that the first thing I want to say is that you probably have more power than you think you do in a negotiation. Mm. You know, you, uh, it's, 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 it, it can be understandably stressful to go into a negotiation, but remember that the other party is probably feeling the same way. Absolutely. Right? And mm. they think more highly of you than you do. Right. Right? And, and so if you just remind yourself of that, and go into a negotiation with a little bit of confidence, um, you'll actually do much, much better. It's it's so important, I think, to remember that negotiating in general is stressful. Just the example you said, going to buy a car, you have the typical stereotypical car salesman image in your head and almost kind of know what you're about to face when you walk through the doors. And that's certainly not to say that everybody is sort of lined up or set up the same way, but it is stressful going into a situation like that, especially when there is a lot of uh, money on the line or bringing it back to making some business decisions. If you have to lay off a number of employees or you're reorganizing Um, the business or you're even planning your strategic plan, there's a lot at stake and it can be stressful to go into it. But to remember that everybody is probably feeling the same way. You're not necessarily the underdog, that you should go into it with confidence. And some of that entails you negotiating with yourself before even going into that meeting or that discussion, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, part of the negotiating with yourself is deciding what you're uh, I like to call it what what is your push away from the table position. So you need to know you got to know what your bottom line is. 
a, a line across which you will not pass. You will not step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the hard no line. And uh, I'll tell you a story about that a little bit later. But I, I can't tell you the number of times where I've gone into a negotiation thinking I was the underdog, only to find out that I was, in fact, the one in control. And that was revealed during the negotiation. Now, it doesn't mean that I necessarily took advantage of anyone. It just means that I, I could feel the power shifting in my favor. And so that, you know, it just meant that I was able to, to uh, come to a better resolution for everybody involved. So would you say it's about winning? So, okay. So <laughs> what a great question, because most people assume it's a win-lose. It's a zero-sum kind of thing that, that you... Uh, must win and they must lose. And that's what a negotiation is. The truth is most negotiations are not win-lose. They should be win-win. At least there should be the perception that both parties are satisfied and that they got a good deal for themselves. And a good negotiator will either make sure that the other person gets a good deal for themselves, or they will at least make them feel as if they got a good deal for themselves. And uh, so now, having said that, there is a caveat, and I've been thinking about this all week, and that is that there is a type of negotiation which I'm going to call transactional negotiation. And this is smaller, you know, haggling, basically, right? When you're buying vegetables at the, the market and you try and get a better price for them. That's what I would call transactional negotiation. And that is... It can be, it's basically every man for himself, who's the better negotiator, what's the best deal I can get here. And there are some, you know, techniques that you can use to do that. Uh, anyway, I, I just thought that I, I would point that out because to answer your question, is it win-lose? No, it should be win-win, except if it is what I would call transactional negotiation. So let's, can we start with transactional negotiation yeah, and, and yeah, just kind of get that out of the way? Because this yeah. is, this is kind of like, it's, it's, it's fun. Even with that, there are some right ways and wrong ways to do it. For example, you should never offer anything if somebody asks. In other words, always turn the question around and ask them, what do they want? So a good example of that would be a discount. So if, if someone, if let's say I'm selling something, let's say it's shoes. Okay. I'm, you're buying, okay. you'll be the buyer. Okay. I'll be the seller. Okay. And you want to get a discount. So you ask me for a discount. I should never offer you anything. I should turn it around and ask you what, what you want. And I can demonstrate that to you right now. If you're like, why don't we do yeah, it? Let's, yeah. I was going to say it. Let's do a role play. Yeah. And I'll show you what happens when a bad negotiator, a bad salesperson, by the way, sales is negotiation and really good salespeople are really good negotiators. And that doesn't mean they take advantage of people. It means that they understand the principles of good negotiation. And we'll get to this later on when we get into the bigger types of negotiations, there are different rules that apply, but just for this transactional stuff, let's just have some fun with it. So I'm selling. Let me just let me just. I know you said you're selling me shoes, but as a side note, I'm hoping really to walk away with a pair of shoes at the end of this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make sure. Not only are you going to walk away with a pair of shoes, 
but you're going to love the price you got. You're going to love the shoes you got. All right, let's do this, Jim. (laughs) But but we're going to start by showing you what not to do, okay? Okay. As a salesperson, this is what not to do. So you have the shoes in front of you. You like them. You want to buy them. You think they're pricey. So why don't you ask me for a discount? Jim, these are some pretty cool shoes. I would absolutely love to buy them. They're a little bit out of my price market though. So hoping that you can give me a bit of a discount. So, okay, in brackets, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to mention here, I should never offer you anything. I should ask you, what is it you want? So I'm going to say, well, Candice, listen, you know, the shoes are already priced pretty well. I mean, we've, we've done our research and they're very competitive, but you're a very good customer of mine and I want to make sure that you're happy. So what kind of a discount would work for you? If you could give me 15% off, then I'm going to pay for them right now and wear them out of the store. Okay. So what am I? (laughs) I should have asked for 25. Exactly. You see what happened there? So I, in my mind, I'm prepared to give you 25. And when you said 15, that's awesome. I only have to give her 15. So Mm. I'm thinking I gave you exactly what you wanted, but what are you thinking? Shoot, I should have asked for 25. You're thinking you could have done way better. So not only am I giving more than I probably needed to, but you're not happy as a result. You're going to leave going eh, with a sour taste in your mouth. So let's run that scenario again. All right. Hey, Jim, absolutely love these shoes. They're a little bit higher than what I was hoping to spend today. What sort of a discount do you think you could do or what can you do better for me on these shoes? Well, you know, you're a great customer and we want to keep you happy. What would work for you, Candice? I would love if you could give me a 15% discount and then I'm going to walk out of here wearing these new shoes. Oh, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, our margins just aren't big enough to do that. Um, but I will say that I saw my boss last week. He was able to get a, a, a 10% discount. Uh, he he offered a 10% discount. So I'm pretty comfortable that I'll be able to convince him to do that. If I can get you a 10% discount, do we have a deal? Will you buy the shoes? Yeah, we'll have a deal. I would appreciate you going to bat for me. Awesome. Now, you you might think a really skilled buyer would say, no, and that's true. But for the sake of this little demonstration, mm-hmm. you feel what? I feel like I am, I'll say, loosely winning because I've got the shoes less than what they were marked up as. But not only that, it was a hard-won battle. Like, you fought hard to get the discount that you got. You got as much as you could get out of me because I said, no, I can't do 15, but I can do this, okay? And so even though I might have been prepared to give you 25% discount because I can afford it, I only had to give you 10% and you're happy. In the first scenario, I gave you 15% and you weren't happy. In the second scenario, I gave you 10% and you are happy. So that's kind of transactional. That's some of the rules of transactional, what I call transactional negotiation. Now, there are there are cultural things that come into it too. And I, <laughs> I mean, some cultures are just way better at haggling. It's just part of their culture, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I got to tell you a quick story about my wife's grandmother, Kiarina Kuda. Kiarina is, is no longer with us. 
what a wonderful lady she was. And I, I loved her dealer. She, she taught me so much. She was a first generation Canadian from Italy. And uh, anyway, we, so the story is we were in Florida visiting them and I had, uh, I was driving the car and Kiarina was in the back seat. And all of a sudden she says, Jim, stop the car. Jimmy, stop at the car. Stop at the car. <laughs> so I pulled over and yeah. here's one of these fruit stands, a vegetable fruit stand on the side of the, the road. And so she jumps out and she, she walks over and I got out and I walked over and I'm standing next to her. And the first thing I notice is that she's crinkling her nose and she's looking down with this look of disgust on her face at the fruit and vegetables. And the seller comes over and, and she goes, ah, come on, you call these tomatoes? <laughs> and, and I'm going, wow, like, I don't know. They look, they look good to me. Anyway, she says, ah, I give you $3. <laughs> And, he, and the price was $5 for whatever the, and he goes, oh, come on, lady. Okay, I'll give you $4. She goes, nah, $3.50. That's it. I give you $3.50. And he goes, all right, $3.50. Here you go. And she goes, ah, I wouldn't take them. She said, they're terrible, terrible quality, but I have to make sauce tonight, so I'm going to take them. She gives him his money. She turns, she walks back, gets in the car. As soon as the car door closes, her whole face lights up and she goes, wow, aren't these tomatoes fantastic? And can you believe the price I got for them? <laughs> oh man, that's everything I need to know about negotiation. That's transactional negotiation. That's win-lose, right? Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. But that's awesome. I, I'm, I'm only suggesting that for small transactions, for, you know, larger, more serious business type uh, negotiations, different rules apply. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would also argue the difference between transactional negotiations and the larger ones, um, specifically as it relates to business, is there's an element of trust. And that's also something I think is an interesting topic and potentially debatable. And it would be interesting to hear what our listeners think. But I believe that negotiation, um, that there is an element of trust in negotiation and that the level of trust you have could influence the outcome. And the higher the trust, typically the better or more improved of an outcome that you would have. But would love to know, I guess, from you, Jim, do you think that trust affects the negotiation process? Wow. That's a, that's a really interesting one because even though you're, you're going into the negotiation thinking that you want this to be win-win for all parties concerned. You also know that the other party is trying to do the best that they can for their side. Mm -hmm. And so I will say for sure, it's a respect thing. Uh, you know, we've talked about this before. All good relationships are built on two things, trust and respect. But I don't, I mean, I mean it depends on what you mean by trust because I don't know that I would trust the other person to have my best interest at heart necessarily. Right? For sure. For so sure. I have to advocate for my own interests. I trust that they're honorable and I trust that they're truthworthy, that they're truthful and, you know, those kinds of things. But I don't know. I mean, as I said, I got to look out for myself in this negotiation. So it's a different kind of trust. I think. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting and, and we won't spend too much time going through, you know, this particular area of negotiation. I do feel you can absolutely negotiate with somebody that you don't trust, but I do believe that 
based on what the negotiation is. Again, if it is around business decisions, that trusting people within your leadership team, having a relationship with the person that you're negotiating on. So for example, if you're talking about top talent and there's more subjectivity versus objectivity in deciding which person you are going to uh, move into a more senior role, having trust in the person you're having that discussion or negotiating with between two people, I think plays a factor. If you're going in to buy a car, no, you may not have a pre-existing relationship with that person and how much you trust them may or may not impact or influence as much of the outcome when it comes down to the cost or the product, right? Right. right. And I think the kind of negotiation that you're talking about, there's going to be some give and take. And that's a big part of the negotiation yeah, is, I'll bet. give you this if you give me that, right? right. And, and But but this this is a really great segue because it brings us to, is there any, sorry, is there anything else you wanted to No, point? no, no, totally. Um, so it, it brings us, it brings me to what I think are two tenets of good negotiation. And the first is, and this is in business or in personal negotiations, like when you're negotiating with your kids, for instance, um, you know, the first uh, tenet of good negotiation is slow the process down. Yeah. Fast negotiations are rarely good negotiations. They're rarely fair and equitable. You need to take time to consider what's being offered and understand what your limits are. In other words, the old adage, sleep on it, right? There's, yeah. am I okay with this, right? If you slow the process down, everyone will benefit from it. And that, so a really good negotiator knows that, and it will not be a hurried affair. Okay. The second very important tenet of negotiation is ask lots of questions. Information is power in negotiation. So the more you know about the other person's true motivations, the better equipped you will be to find a resolution that works for you and them. Have you ever heard of the five whys? As in the, the the question, why? Well, why, I would probably say, is one of my most favorite words ever. And well, so, but have you heard the, the idea of the five whys? No. So what it is, is if you ask the question why to somebody five times. Oh, yes. Okay. I wasn't sure where right. you were going with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you will get to the truth eventually. Okay. So, and and I find really, really powerful questions, things like, why is that important to you? Like, tell me, tell me more about that. Why is that important to you? Because you want to get to the crux of what it is that is important. It might not be important to you. So in other words, you're willing to give that up. Let me give you an example. I, maybe this isn't the greatest example in the world, but you're negotiating with your kid. You want them. And for you, this is a hard, you're not, it's a hard no. And that is bedtime is 8.30, Okay. Your child wants to wants to stay up till nine. And so they're saying, no, I want to stay up till nine. Well, ask, you know, what why is that important to you? Or what's what, you know, what is behind this? And if you ask enough questions, you might find out that what's really important to your child is not so much the time they go to bed, but the fact that they have more screen time on whatever device that they, because you've limited, I, I should back up, you you limit your child's screen time and they would like a little bit more screen time and you're okay with that. 
because your child is, you know, pretty well-rounded and they're not, you don't feel that this is hurting them. So what if you were to offer them an extra half hour of screen time if they agreed to go to bed at your time, which is 8.30? Now the child is happy. They're happy to meet your uh, requirements because they got something in return. And you were the brilliant negotiator because you asked the right questions to find out what was really important to them. And you were happy to give them that, that consolation. And you got what you wanted and they got what they wanted. That's what a skilled negotiator will do. I think that's a great um, example of what somebody should do. I would probably, with my kids, not give them the opportunity <laughs> to negotiate with me and say, this is the bedtime. Yeah. And, well, story, except that if you, the problem with that, Candies, is that if you trump them, they're not happy. And you do that enough, and it's going to show up in behavior that you don't like elsewhere. Like they'll start acting out at school, or they may get in trouble with other problems or whatever, because they are not happy. So if, as a skilled negotiator, as a parent negotiator, if you can make the child walk away from the negotiation where they're as happy as you are, then you're, you've done a really, really good job. Now, there are times when it just, both parties are not going to be happy. There's nothing you can do about it. And then you got to be the bad mom and say, too bad. It's my way. I'm sorry. Right? Well, I, I, I think that there's a time and place to negotiate with your kids. And this would be, a, I think, a whole separate topic. And I think you and I would respectfully challenge each other a lot, probably through that discussion. I, I think as a parent, there's times you make a decision and don't involve them in the decision-making process, which removes any ability to negotiate. But where I absolutely agree with you is asking the question why. I think that's it goes back to coaching 101. And you're asking the question why, potentially five times, not even by saying why, but by understanding what the person's motivation is, understanding potentially what the challenge is, trying to see a different perspective and get all the information out of them. So love the idea about asking questions until you feel that the answer um, sort of satisfies you or, or that they've been able to explore it fully. I almost feel that you can't ever ask too many questions. Because if you just keep asking questions, you're going to get more and more information. And the more information you have about what's important to the other party, the better equipped you will be to arrive at a resolution that satisfies both you and them. And so that's what really skilled negotiators do. Now, getting to your point about sometimes you just have to give a hard no. We talked about this earlier. Know what your push away from the table position is. Uh, let me give you a business example of that. And it, it, and you know, whenever, so whenever you sell something to a client, it is a negotiation and it doesn't always involve price. It can involve terms. It can involve all kinds of things. And uh, one of my businesses, as you know, is Skyline Ottawa and we sell trade show exhibits and the trade show, I just got to give you a tiny bit of background here. The trade show industry, you know, it's maybe not entirely political to politically correct to say this, but there is the, what we what we call in the business the prostitute syndrome. And that's where when we sell a trade show, once the show, sorry, when we sell a booth, once the show is over, the client's desire to pay diminishes exponentially. So we have to get 100% payment before the booth is delivered. And that's just the terms in our industry across the board. Everybody does that. That's just the way it goes. So now fast forward, and I was 
talking to a customer. He loves to negotiate. I had, I did business with him years ago. We kind of fell apart and he came back to me many years later, wanted to buy a booth from me. Fine. So we're talking and I had him working with my sales reps and that was great. And with my project managers, but then he wanted to pull rank. So he called me on my cell phone and wanted to negotiate the terms. And the terms that he wanted to negotiate was he wanted to hold back 10% of the price until he was satisfied that we had built exactly what he wanted me to build. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And he said, what do you mean you can't do that? I never pay full price. I always withhold and to make sure that you deliver on time. Right. And I, I said, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is in our industry. We can't, we have to have 100%. I'm sorry. And this was a not insignificant deal. I mean, it was probably about forty dollars or $50,000. And I didn't want to walk away from that. But I also was not prepared to have him hold me hostage for, you know, something that he didn't like. You know, the color was off by one shade or something. Well, right. too bad. We'll fix that. But only if you've paid in full. And I don't want to get in. It's just non-negotiable. There's that right. term. It's right. non-negotiable. So I just said, I'm really sorry. I politely said, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. And th this was the funny part because in the background, I hear someone talking to him and I, I hear this muffled voice and uh, this woman's voice and he stops talking and he's listening to her. And then he goes, Oh, my daughter just informed me that this is common in your industry. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it's universal. It's not just common. It's I'm sorry, but you can go anywhere you want. Everyone's going to ask you for 100% prepayment. We can't build the booth until you pay us. And that's just the way it goes. And that was it. He paid the bill. We built the booth. Everybody was happy. So know what you're pushed away from the table. I couldn't do the deal if he was going to hold me ransom like that. Well, and and interestingly, while you were while you were talking, I was thinking of something else that I think is hugely imperative when it comes to negotiating. And by telling your story and bringing in the daughter, it kind of led me into what I was about to say, and that's about listening, but not just pretending to listen, actually active listening. And not only is that a huge part of negotiating, it's a huge part of communicating, which we've touched on in the past. But you have to be able to listen to what the person is saying to you, what they're asking for, what they're telling you, and not listening so you know when it's your turn to talk next, listening so you're actually hearing. And if there's more than just two of you in part of that negotiating, it's I like to be the last one to talk. It's listening to what everybody has to say. It's about gathering all the facts, making sure I'm armed with all the information, and then being really intentional of what I'm about to contribute to the conversation. But I did want to mention that active listening is a huge part of negotiating as well. Oh, absolutely. So, so, so let's just close that loop. Do you remember I said sales is negotiation? Mm -hmm. Do you remember during our podcast in sales, we said, what's the shortest sales course ever taught or learned? It's mm -hmm. four words, ask questions and listen. If more salespeople just did that, they would be way better salespeople. Right. Sales is negotiation. Asking questions is the second tenet of negotiation. So listening to the answers is built into that. You, you need to actively listen to what the other person's saying. And as you said, to comprehend them and keep asking questions until you get to the heart of the matter. What is it that's bothering them? Or what is it that's of core importance to them? And what really doesn't matter to them? 
And the more questions you ask, the closer you will get to those answers, those truths. And the other, the other key takeaway, I think, as a, as a value add to listening beyond everything that we've just said is sometimes negotiations can become emotional. And even if they're business related, people can take things personally and emotions get heightened. And that's when we run into a little bit of trouble. So if you go into a negotiation, remembering that a key element is listening taking a step back, then when you know that your emotions are getting a little bit stronger or somebody's pushing your buttons, if you're not reacting to those emotions because you're listening, then you're less likely to say something that you'll either regret later um, or, or, you know, you can't take back, right? Once we say something, it's out there, whether we apologize or wish we didn't, it's, it's out there. So active listening also is a great tactic to helping us control our emotions when a negotiation gets a little bit wonky. Well, and that also speaks to the first tenet of negotiation, which is slow the process down. Right. You just uh, reminded me of, of one of my fatal flaws, and that is that I am very emotional. I'm, I am a, an A-type expressive personality, and I flare. It's a chemical thing. Like, I get angry really easily. Now, you know, I'm older and wiser and I'm, I'm a little more sage now. So I'm so I kinda, much better looking. Oh, <laughs> oh, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. Oh. Uh, anyway, um, what was I talking about? You threw <laughs> up. Anyway, no. Yeah. So you're right. I, I get emotional in negotiations because if, especially when it's, there's a lot at stake, whatever it is, if it's money yeah, of or course. If there's something important going on here, I get emotional um, and it never works. Like I have, to, I have to remind myself, slow down, calm down, take a breath, ask more questions, listen to the other person, look at it from their point of view, understand what it is, where they're coming from and what their position is. If you, if, as a negotiator, if you do that, you will always have better resolutions for everybody. Something else I think is pretty interesting um, and would love to get your take on it. And, and I think if memory serves, you shared a story once about selling your house, but it really goes to the point about creativity and innovation. And does that play a part in negotiation? And can that influence the outcome of negotiation, the more outside of the box or the more creative or innovative you go into a negotiation with? Oh, well, so absolutely. I mean, so... I'm so glad you brought that up because so part of the process, as you're asking questions and you're understanding what's important to them, try, you know, and you're trying to figure out what their motivation is, like what, what is driving them to take this position, whatever that position is. And most people don't want to tell you because they feel that it's their job to keep the information to themselves. So even though you're doing it in their best interest, the more you understand about them, the better off everybody will be. Sometimes they withhold that information. And the example that, that you mentioned is uh, I sold our family home and, and we had these buyers who were actually tenants of ours. They, they lived in the basement apartment of the house and they had been there for some time and heard that we were selling the house and they wanted to buy the house. They were a young couple with young kids and they approached us to buy the house and twice over the course of a couple of weeks or so, they pushed away from the table. 
And it was kind of unexplained. Like, and I was kind of, it was uncomfortable because I thought, what, what happened? Like, why did this fall apart? And I, I hadn't asked enough questions and I, I, I really wasn't negotiating very well. But then I thought about it and I thought, geez, I wonder if they've been to see the bank and the bank has just said to them, you guys can't afford the mortgage. And they were too embarrassed to actually say, we can't afford your house. So they just pushed away. So I thought, huh, I wonder if they're aware or if even if they are aware, did they make the bank aware that there are other forms of revenue, other sources of revenue that this house brings? One is the basement apartment. That's 1300 bucks a month. And we had a whole 10 kilowatts of solar on the roof of the house that brought an average of something like $800 a month from the Ontario government. That combined is like $2,000 plus a month towards a mortgage. So I asked them to talk to me. We had a meeting. We sat down, had a glass of wine. And I said, listen, I just wondered. I don't know if you've been talking to the bank or not, knowing full well that they had. But I thought, you know, I don't know if you've been talking to the bank. But, you know, when you do talk to them, it might be a good idea to mention the two sources of revenue that come because that makes, you know, makes it a lot easier. And they kind of, their eyes kind of lit up a little bit and wow, yeah, that is a good idea. Three days later, they came back and said, we got our mortgage. Everything's good. We're going to buy your house. Yeah. Super cool. That's, uh, that's exactly the story I had remembered you sharing a while back to me and always loved that story because it really is so outside of the box and not sure that everybody would have reacted in the same capacity that you did or would have been as creative or innovative as you would have. And and somebody else might have lost the sale. And those people who would have wanted to buy your house would have lost the opportunity to buy the house that they wanted to, right? So um, love the fact that you displayed thinking outside of the box and took the time. Again, you listened to what they were saying. You assessed all the information. You asked a lot of really great questions. And then you came up with a solution that everyone walked away as a winner. Right. And Remember, I wasn't trying to take advantage of them in any way, shape, or form. That wasn't the point. The point was to find out what their motivation was, what what was important to them, and what was why were they behaving the way they were behaving? Because I know they wanted, I knew they wanted to buy the house, and so there there must have been something wrong. And what was that thing that was wrong? Right. So again, com- coming back just to kind of sum up, it's not about win lose. It's about win win. It's about finding solutions. It's having your sitting down with your opponent in air quotes here yes. side, beside you, not across the table from you, but they they sit beside you and shoulder to shoulder, you're working on the problem. You're not fighting each other. You're asking questions to find out what's the resolution that's going to work for both of us here. If you, if you approach a negotiation that way, you're going to do much better in my opinion anyway. Yeah, I think, you know what, I I think that it goes back to what you said. It's about slowing the process down, how you had mentioned before, fast negotiations are rarely fair and and they're not likely as equitable as as they can be. And again, I think that we're we're not naive to recognize that there's so many different types of um, or reasons that somebody would be negotiating. And if you're doing it with a family member versus a complete stranger for business reasons, that becomes a little bit more volatile and there's a lot more emotions 
involved. And so not there's not one sort of shoe fits all situation here. What we're sharing today are just some high level strategies, more, as you said, for some transactional negotiations or when you're looking at some business decisions that might to be made or in a sales atmosphere. But certainly emotions can influence or impact your negotiating ability, the other person's and what the outcome looks like. And I think just to close it off too, the one thing we we touched on just a very little bit, but I wanted to spend maybe just another 30 seconds and come back to is, is recognizing again that we negotiate with ourselves, or certainly I can say I negotiate with myself probably every day. And well, that, tell me more about that. What what do, what do you mean by that, really? What what does that mean? I would say that it's it's sometimes it's negative self-talk that needs to become positive self-talk. Uh, it's about mm-hmm. You know, it could be as simple as, am I going to eat, am I going to have ice cream today? Am I watching my calories? And I'm negotiating with myself, well, what if I only have one scoop and not two scoops, right? That could be how I negotiate with myself. Just just don't talk out loud, okay? Because the the neighbors are going to start asking questions. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, when they see me sitting on the front porch with the whole tub, that also saved my cry for help. But I think that, you know what, from a business perspective, I'll I'll negotiate with myself. Even today, I've already put in eight hours of work, but I still know I've got four more hours of work today. Okay, well, if I do another two and I wake up early tomorrow morning, then I'll get everything done to meet my commitment. So it can be as simple as, as you know, those two examples on, you know, what I'm going to eat versus how many hours I'm going to work in a day. Or it could be on a marketing tool that I want to buy or a platform that I want to invest in. Can I afford it? Can my business sustain it? You know, what sort of metrics am I going to use to say whether this is sustainable? Is it good for the short term or the long term? It's so... It's it's negotiating with myself to get the best outcome and influence the decision that I'm going to make. It's how I'm going to problem solve or how I'm going to make decisions. So, you know, what's really cool about this is that when you think about it, coaching is a form of negotiation. And, you know, what what do business coaches do really well? We ask tons of questions. And so when you're negotiating with yourself, you're actually coaching yourself. You're, you're being, you're asking questions of yourself and you're, you're coming to a resolution that works for yourself. Uh, that's really fascinating. And while you were talking about that, I was thinking about a situation where I did the same thing. I was uh, very, very quickly, I was buying a property and the deal fell through. And at first I was bitter uh, because I wanted this deal to go through and it, it, the, the woman wouldn't budge on price. And I thought, you know, this was back before it was crazy overbidding, okay, where everyone sellers had to give something to the buyers, right? And she wouldn't give me a thing. So I pushed away from the table. And I remember saying, you know, the uh, the devil on my shoulder said, well, what the heck? You didn't like that property anyway. You know, what's wrong with you? Where would you like to be? It was a, a lakefront property. It was before we built our, our lake house. And, uh, you know, I said, well, I'd, I'd rather be on Lac McGregor. It's, you know, it's the best lake in all the Gatineau's. And then, you know, the uh, the angel on the other side said, you can't afford Lac McGregor. There's no way. And then the devil said, how do you know? Go find out. You know, you don't know till you ask. And so I went through this sort of self-talk that you're talking about. I negotiated with myself, drove over, circumnavigated the lake, wrote down all kinds of uh, numbers from real estate agents, called them up and 
you know, eventually I ended up buying a property that I loved way more than the first property. And that's where our cottage is now on that, on that lake, which I wanted in the first place. Love it. So I think that the takeaway from that is whether you're negotiating with yourself or whether you're negotiating with one other person or a room full of people, what I always fall back on is I ask myself, is this important to me? And if the answer is yes, then I ask myself, and going back to the five whys, why is this important to me? And that usually allows me to gain a bit more clarity as to where I'm trying to go with the negotiation. Again, whether it's me and myself, or it's with you and I, Jim, or a room full of people, it's, is this important? Why is it important? And then you can take it one step further and say, is this going to be important to me next year? Is this going to still be important in five years? And you put some more timelines, right, in place around it. That's the one I love. I I use that all the time now. I think you may have taught me this, and that is, Mm -hmm. is this going to matter a year from now, Mm -hmm. right? That has made me settle so many issues because it's it's tearing me up right now. But then if I just put put it through that filter, it's not going to matter a year from now. What am I worried about it so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Love it. Compartmentalize it. So why don't you why don't you close this down and wrap it up and put a nice red bow on it? Okay. Okay. So why don't we do that just by doing a quick summary? Other than what I call transactional negotiation, which is really every man for himself, every woman for herself, uh, you know, the, may the best negotiator win, and it mm-hmm. tends to be smaller stuff. For the bigger stuff, where there's a lot at stake and more business type transactions, there are two things you should remember. One is slow the process down. And the second is ask tons of questions and just keep asking more and more questions. And then throw in a little bit of creativity in there and you will have a fantastic result for your negotiation. And remember that it's your own superpower, which means you have the control over how to influence where and how and what that superpower looks like. And and as you had said, which I wanted to include as part of the summary is as stressed out as you are going into it, the other person is probably equally as stressed out. So build up your confidence as best you can going into the negotiation and think of it more as a discussion and really increase your ability to listen, ask a lot of really great intentional, meaningful questions And if you're not in a position where you feel like you want to make a decision right then, it's also okay to say, let me get back to you. You don't have to be pressured to make an answer or decide on the spot. You could let them know by the end of the day or by tomorrow, again, depending on what the situation is. But part of negotiating is taking the time that you need to make an informed decision. You know, I think good negotiators have less stress in their lives. Hmm. They know how to get resolutions that everybody's happy and it makes things a lot less stressful. Well, that <laughs> was that fun. <laughs> oh fun. man, I it's uh I wish at some point, I know that this is audio, but I as we said, we do this through Zoom. And so I I get to look at Jim through the Zoom screen as we're recording this and um it, it, it makes me smile to see you. And, and, and sometimes Jim gets really animated when he's talking. And so I don't know if people can hear me smiling when I'm talking, but it's because I'm watching Jim and it's, it's great to see you get really excited and passionate about some so, of these topics. So maybe what we should do is a vlog. What do you think? 
I'd you say, let's, let's think about it. I'm not going to negotiate that with you right now. <laughs> Come on, let me ask you a few questions to see what's really important to you. Well, on that note, this has been exceptional. It's always fun recording with you. And so I hope our listeners enjoyed that and took some nuggets away. And and as always, we'd love to hear any feedback that you guys might have. Reach out to either Jim or I or both of us through LinkedIn. And also, if you guys ever have any topics that you would find valuable that you'd like us to talk about, then we'd love to hear what those are as well. Fantastic. So I'm Jim Cummings. And I'm Candy Sextine. And this has been the Business Tuna. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business Tuna podcast with Candice and Jim. Got a question about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Connect with Candice or Jim through LinkedIn and send them a message. Thanks for listening. And until next time on the Business Tuna, continue to find your spark.